ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Good afternoon and welcome to WADA, ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, we are pleased to welcome you to the sixth installment of WADA, ADA Live. The topic of today's show is voting accessibility. ADA Live listening audience, please note that you are able to submit your questions via our online forum at adalive.org. My name is Sally Weiss, Director of Knowledge Translation for the Southeast ADA Center. I'd like to introduce today's speaker, Nancy Duncan, Disability Consultant and former Southeast ADA Center Network Administrator for the State of Georgia. In today's program, we will be talking about voting rights and responsibilities under three laws, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Help America Vote Act, and the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, also known as the Motor Voter Act. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for joining us to talk about voting accessibility. Hi, Sally. I'm very glad to be with you this afternoon. And we're glad to have you. Here is my first question for you. What are the basic requirements for the voting process under the ADA? Well, the ADA um, has several sections. One of them is related to state and local government. That is called Title II. So that's what we're really going to be talking about when we talk about voting. Um, and um, the first uh, uh, item that I want to mention is that state and local governments are required to provide the same programs and services to people without disabilities, people with disabilities, that they do for people without disabilities. Um, and um, so that means that there's equal opportunity for people with disabilities to participate in every part of uh, the programs and services of uh, a county, a city, a state. And, of course, voting is one of those parts. Um, it also requires that people with disabilities be integrated and able to participate along with citizens without disabilities. Uh, a second important piece is providing equally effective communication. And that says, as you can imagine, uh, if you provide information to people without disabilities, such as notices or articles in the paper or a signage, uh, then you must make sure you provide the same uh, equally effective, it may not be the same, equally effective uh, material or um, signage or speech, speeches to people with disabilities. And that would include people who have visual impairments or um, intellectual disabilities, learning disabilities, people with hearing impairments or deafness. Uh, a third uh, basic requirement is physical access. Now that's what most people think about when they think about the ADA. How wide do the doors have to be? How deep are the ramps? Do we have to have bars in the bathroom? That's all part of physical access. And you can kind of sum it up as the ADA does by calling it an accessible path of travel. 
Uh, and in terms of voting uh, or the voting place, uh, polling places or a place where you register or where you um, perhaps vote early, these places should have a fully accessible path from the parking lot, uh, the accessible parking or all the parking lot, um, to uh, the voting place, uh, the poll itself. Uh, also, they should have an accessible path of travel to the bus from the bus stop um, uh, to the uh, polling place so that there are no barriers that a person in a wheelchair or using a walker or maybe a cane, uh, there'd be no barriers that they would have to cross in order to get to the place where they vote. Um, and this, of course, could be achieved in some other ways if it's absolutely necessary, like curbside voting, uh, where uh, the, uh, a polling uh, worker, a poll worker would actually go to the vehicle of the person with a disability and uh, sit in the vehicle and help them vote if that's necessary or um, at least retrieve the ballot from, from them. Um, and uh, that's never good, but that's okay. Again, uh, it might be that a person with a certain kind of disability would rather vote that way uh, because of uh, maybe great difficulty in getting in and out of a vehicle, something like that. Um, <clears throat> then uh, let's move on. We'll talk some more about this uh, later, I'm sure. But let's move on to the fourth uh requirement, which I think is so important, but it's usually left out when people are thinking about accessibility and uh, equal services, uh, and that's notice. Um, it's an administrative requirement for state and local governments to let people with disabilities know what they have to offer. It doesn't do any good if you have the most up-to-date, wonderful voting machine and the best accessible voting location if people with disabilities don't know it's there. So you need to make sure that any information uh, a county or a state give out, um, whether it be a website that needs to be accessible uh, or it, uh, you don't want to just put things in the newspaper because there's plenty of people who can't read the newspaper. Um, so be very creative. And how do you get the word out to folks as to what the options are for absentee ballots, early registration, early voting, registration, et cetera? Thank I think you, Nancy. that sums it up. Yeah, I think it sums up pretty well. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what we call the Motor Voter Act? What does that do? Well, uh, in very simple uh, statement, um, it says that if uh, um, you offer services to people with disabilities, um, you must make sure in your uh, state uh, or local government, you must make sure that uh, you also allow people to register to vote in your facility uh, sometimes. And that would include libraries, uh, health departments, um, uh, courthouses, uh, uh, DFACs or DSS offices, that whole gamut, uh, food stamp offices. Basically, people should be allowed to, allowed to register for votes to vote uh, where they go most often. Thank you. Now I'd like you to talk a little bit about the Help America Vote Act. What does HAVA or the Help America Vote Act do? 
I think this is a really cool law. It was signed into effect in '02 by George W. Bush, and it uh, it provides, first of all, some good technical assistance and guidance to uh, state and local governments on voting um, through um, the Election Assistance Commission. That's a mouthful, and uh, it can uh, that information can be found at E as an elephant A. C is in car, eac.gov, and uh, there's guidelines for how to assist people in voting and uh, what you uh, sort of a checklist of what you should do in your voting place. Um, and then it also um, sets aside money for a state to use to improve access to voting in their states. And then um, another thing that it does that I think too is very important. It, it says that um, at least one uh, booth or machine in every polling place should be accessible. Finally, uh, and this is my favorite part, um, it requires uh, uh, state and local government to provide uh, integrated, independent, and uh, voting, and also privacy in voting for people with disabilities. Thank you, Nancy. ADA Live listening audience, if you have a question about voting accessibility, you can submit it at any time on our online forum at adalive.org. And now a word from our sponsors. The ADA National Network provides information, guidance, and training on the Americans with Disabilities Act tailored to meet the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, regional, and national level. The ADA National Network consists of 10 regional ADA centers in the United States, providing local assistance to ensure that the ADA is implemented wherever possible. The ADA National Network is not an enforcement agency, but a helpful resource supporting the ADA's mission to make it possible for everyone with a disability to live a life of freedom and equality. Welcome back to the second part of our ADA Live program. We are talking with Nancy Duncan, disability consultant, about access to voting. Our next question is, what are the basic rights for people with disabilities in the voting process and the voting place? Well, Sally, if you remember, before our commercial, I had just said that uh, HAVA uh, points out these three rights very clearly, um, independence in voting um, and privacy in voting and being integrated uh, with the rest of the community as, as, as the voting process, all of it, occurs. And here we're talking about uh, rights uh, from the from the be very beginning, as I said earlier, the notice about voting needs to be accessible, and um, so that people can know what's going on, um, and then all the way through um, early voting registration deadlines, all of that um, <clears throat> is is part of our right as an American citizen um, to vote. And we, ha we have to, uh, as people with disabilities, um, be able to have those three rights uh, that I just mentioned. Uh, Nancy, when we were talking earlier, you told me about your experience with voting. Could you share that with our listening audience? Sure. Um, I'm totally blind, and um, I'm 65 years old now. 
but the first time I voted was 1966, and I have voted um, every at least every two years uh, since then, and sometimes more often. Um, but in uh, 2004 was the first year that uh, my voting precinct had machines that made voting accessible to me. Um, I went to my precinct to vote, and my regular precinct, they knew me. I'd been voting a while, and so they were all very excited to show me uh, the machine and uh, the headphones and the little uh, keypad that I could use. And um, uh, So I went and into the booth and picked up the keypad, but on the headset, and I voted for the first time independently and with privacy um, and uh, it, it, next to all the other people who were voting. Um, and it took me a little longer, but it was just such a wonderful experience. And when I put my card in the slot and turned around, took off the headset, I was crying. And uh, uh, a friend later told me that everybody in the room was crying um, because I realized some, a dream that I had never thought would come true, um, that I could vote. Sometimes my husband would go with me to vote or a friend, but I, sometimes I didn't want them to know how I was voting if I knew I was voting differently. So it was my opportunity to be a fully participating American citizen. Even though I was born here, I didn't feel like I had ever really had that before. Thank you, Nancy. Can you tell us what responsibilities people with disabilities have when it comes to voting? <clears throat> well, of course, whenever you have rights, you always have responsibilities. And it's uh, our responsibility as people with disabilities to find out all we can about our particular voting situation. Um, many states and, and local governments have some different rules, so we need to know those things. We need to know the dates. As to, you have to register by when or get absentee ballots in by when. Um, we have to find out everything we can about making the voting process work for us. We need to find out what kind of uh, accessibility issues there may be, what barriers there may be at our precinct, and we need to find this out a good deal ahead of time. If you wait till the day you go to the polls to vote, there's not much that the poll workers can do then to make your experience accessible. So you have to contact folks ahead of time. I suggest that people use the public library to find out a lot of this information, uh, since sometimes it's very hard to get through to other government offices. Um, and they, they have it all there. And as I said earlier, you can register to vote there, too. Um, and um, then there's also that wonderful website that I mentioned earlier uh, that have a uh, support, and that's eac.gov. That also has a lot of information about uh, uh, the voting process, and it has some information on, on states uh, it can point you to so that you can see what's going on in your state. You can also contact your Secretary of State's office, the voting division, um, or look at their website. They usually have things about voting there. Nancy, how do the voting officials decide what requests are not required by HAVA or the ADA? 
Well, that process is spelled out pretty clearly in the ADA, um, and it's a matter of figuring out that there's basically two, uh, I call it unlesses. You have to comply unless, um, and uh, um, the two that apply to voting uh, would be undue burden. This means it would cost too much to provide this accessibility feature. And the, the Justice Department has been pretty clear that there aren't many things that would be too expensive in terms of providing access for voters. Uh, so I can't really think of one. A uh, second one is fundamentally alter the nature of the program. So if uh, your voting request would be, we'll say that the, election, the head of elections comes to your house and marks your ballot for you, obviously uh, that could take months if everybody wanted that, and that could fundamentally alter the nature of the program, and so they wouldn't have to do that. So they need to sit down, voting officials at the state and local level need to sit down and figure out, you know, what could we do, what could we not do, and of course they won't think of everything uh, because there's a 54 million Americans with disabilities and even among one particular group, like I'm blind and I know lots of blind people and almost all of us need something different in terms of print or not print. So um, it takes them a while. It's not a quick thing to figure out what they have to do and don't have to do. Thank you, Nancy. We've been talking with Nancy Duncan, disability consultant, about access to voting. And now a word from our sponsors. The Southeast ADA Center is your leader in providing information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act and disability access tailored to the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, state, and regional levels. The Southeast ADA Center, located in Atlanta, Georgia, is a member of the ADA National Network and serves eight states in the Southeast region. For answers to your ADA questions, contact the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. Welcome back to ADA Live. In this part of our program, we answer questions from our listeners. Nancy, we have several questions in the queue. The first answer is, do you have to provide a sign language interpreter for voters who are deaf? Well, if you were trying to figure out the answer to this question, you'd go back to um, what I said just before we broke uh, for the commercial. Um, you look at is it an undue burden? Is it fundamentally does it fundamentally alter the nature of the program? And then you can also look at is it effectively uh, does it provide effective communication, equally effective communication? And in the voting process, there's not much communication that goes on that couldn't probably be handled um, by uh, gestures, pointing, writing notes back and forth, using a, a, a laptop computer to write notes back and forth, or using a cell phone to text back and forth. So that uh, it, I can't really think of a situation where a, a sign language interpreter would be necessary uh, for a person uh, to participate in the voting process. One possible uh, exception might be a person who is deaf and blind uh, where a sign language interpreter actually does a lot more than just signing. Um, and um, But again, you would have to arrange for that ahead of time, and your a local board could, would decide whether or not they could provide that accommodation. 
Thank you, Nancy. The next question we have is similar. Do you have to provide readers for people with visual impairments or learning disabilities or intellectual disabilities? Well, lots of folks did that for me for 25 years. So, yes, uh, you do have to make sure that it's equally effective communication. So if a person cannot read a printed ballot or a print um, sheet uh, or screen, uh, then you have to provide uh, some way for them to access that information. They could bring a person with them, uh, or they could ask a, uh, someone who is a, a poll worker to assist in signing your name, filling out your form, or actually voting. And it, the individual um, you know, can decide if, if I feel like I have problems with the voting machine independently, then I can ask for a reader, even though the accessible machine is in place. Thank you. We have several questions about the next topic. My polling place is in a church. I use a wheelchair, and I can't get inside to vote. Aren't polling places supposed to be accessible? Well, if we look again at Title II of the ADA, it says that um, all the programs must be accessible. So there must be accessible voting uh, when you look at the entire county. Now, if you're in a great big metropolitan county, that would mean a lot of places would need to be accessible. Maybe if you're in a very, very small county, um, everyone may vote at just one place. But it should be accessible, um, if at all possible. And it should be possible because the ADA has been around for 23 years. Um, you would think that uh, the voting officials could have found a place that was accessible for voting. Schools, most schools are, that are new are accessible. Most that have been built uh, since uh, 2000 or, or since 95 have to be accessible. And then there's lots of senior centers and all sorts of places that are accessible. So uh, uh, it would behoove um, a local government to make sure that they move uh, the voting uh, place to somewhere that is accessible. But Thank if, you. If that can't happen, then there always is that curbside voting as a temporary accommodation. Thank you, Nancy. Do polling places have to have accessible bathrooms? Well, here we go back to the non-discrimination requirement that I mentioned earlier, um, that if you provide bathrooms for people without disabilities, you must provide bathrooms for people with disabilities. It might just be a unisex or family bathroom uh, rather than several bathrooms. Um, but um, if you don't provide bathrooms to anybody, then you don't have to worry about providing bathrooms to people with disabilities. We have a question. If I have a disability that makes it hard for me to wait, can I go to the head of the line? Um, some states do say that people with disabilities don't have to wait. They can go to the head of the line, but some states don't have that. So it would be just a, a request for a reasonable modification of the policy that everybody waits in line. Um, and again, you could do this early, contact uh, your, uh, your elections board, 
and say, I need this accommodation. Can we work this out? You can't wait till you get there to get this all figured out. So uh, you, it, it is reasonable to ask for a way to rest or a way to move to the front of the line. Um, and it doesn't, certainly doesn't cost the county any money and doesn't alter the way that people vote. So there should be no problem. But again, that can't be a given. That's something you have to figure out if that's possible where you vote. How can I find out whether my state or county allows for me to go to the front of the line? Suppose I have oh, a breathing difficulty or I have um, MS and can't stand in line for very long. How can I find out if, I, if the state requires that they let me go to the head of the line or whether I have to ask for a modification? Well, there is, a, as I mentioned earlier, the EAC.gov, which has some information on each state. Um, there's also the Secretary of State's office in every state that has somebody who's, uh, who's in charge of voting in that state. But any, either one of those would be a good resource. Um, then you can certainly call your local election officials, your county officials, or city officials. Um, and uh, find out what is done. But um, even though the state may say, no, we don't have that policy that people can go the head of the line, when we're talking about the ADA, it may trump the policy that the state or county has unless there's a very good reason why they have that policy. Thank you, Nancy. We have a question about transportation. I need transportation to get to where I vote. Do election officials have to provide this if I ask ahead of time? That's a good question. I uh, was in a focus group on Sunday, and um, this was one of the main questions that people were talking about was transportation to the polls. Um, no, the state and local government do not have to provide transportation for people with disabilities. Why? Because they don't provide transportation for people without disabilities. Um, they, most state and local governments have some kind of public transportation um, that might be pulled into play. Um, and here you are, you know, you have to find out ahead of time and people have to ask questions and see where is the transportation? Could it be used? Um, but I can't see, because of the, the undue burden and the fundamentally altering the nature of the program, I can't see polling officials ever doing that. What I found very effective is contacting candidates' offices and say, I want to vote for you um, next week, uh, next Tuesday, but I don't have any transportation. I've done that a number of times, and I've never had any trouble with them. They'll send out two or three people to help me go vote. Um, obviously, you can't vote but once, but there's always half, they're always happy to help. Again, you can't do it the day of the election. You have to call ahead. Thank you, Nancy. Do you have any last words on this topic? What would you like listeners to take away from this show? Well, I believe wholeheartedly that voting is an, a responsibility of every American. And it's a responsibility and a right of people with disabilities as well. And we're entitled to, in, 
to vote as independently as possible, to vote with complete privacy, um, and to be in an integrated setting. It is To me, it makes my heart swell just like singing the Star Spangled Banner when I walk into my precinct and I cast my vote. I think it's just the most beautiful thing about being an American is that we get to choose. And so I don't want anybody with a disability to miss that beautiful opportunity. Thank you very much. At this time, I would like to thank our guest speaker, Nancy Junkin, for joining us today. And to our ADA Live listening audience, the Southeast ADA Center is grateful for your support and participation in this series of WADA ADA Live broadcasts. If you have questions about the ADA, please contact your regional ADA Center at 1-800-949-4232. That's 1-800-949-4232. All calls are free and confidential. The questions and answers and a resource sheet from today's program will be available on adalive.org. The transcript of today's show will also be available at that site. Join us next month on the first Wednesday, April 2nd, 2014, where we will be talking about pool lifts. See you next month on WADA Live. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio. Brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.